1: girls two-footed podcast on Friday the 26th of August brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online change your location, access things you're block from while also keeping your data safe if you are a UK expat wanting access to BBC player for match of the day or whatever else or all four ITV Hub, whatever it is, a Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to go, and like I said, keep that data safe. Go to libertyshield.com, use the code EPL twenty five. That's EPL 25 to get twenty five percent off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk, and finally do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops. You can find them on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. If you are not listening to a tad predictable, you should be. New episode is out. It is Tadiwa with Khalid Patel, who is an Arsenal fan, and he works in the general footballing sphere. So do check that one out. There is also the EPL Roundtable, which has its own feed, EPL Roundtable. And that is hosted every week by Kevin DeVries. So make sure you are listening to that. Right, folks. We have a Champions League draw and a Europa League draw to react to. So let's go through these. Champions League, Group A. Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli, Rangers. This should be a straightforward group for Liverpool. They are quite clearly the best team in this group, but they are playing really poorly. Ajax have had a summer where I think they've gotten weaker because they've sold a lot of players. They've replaced most of them, but with younger players who they'll need to develop. I think Napoli have had a really good summer. They did lose Koulibaly, but they've made a bunch of good additions. And I think they're going to be the biggest problem for Liverpool in this group. And then Rangers, clearly the weakest team in the group. A championship level club, they'll cause everybody problems at, at Ibrox. And that's their big hope is that Ibrox can help them maybe finish above Ajax and get into the Europa League. But overall, as a Liverpool fan, I'm happy with the group. I think it should be an interesting enough group. Certainly, teams that play good football, bar Rangers can be a little bit cloggy at times but Napoli play good football, Ajax play good football so I'm happy enough. Group B Porto, Atletico Madrid Bayer Leverkusen and Club Bruges. This should be a very good group. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Leverkusen do in the Champions League this year Porto, they're always a bit of a pain in the arse and they regularly make the knockout stages and then Atleti are the strongest team in the group with Bruges probably the weakest team and they did lose their best player Uh, in Charles de Ketel actually has he left yeah he has yeah yeah, yeah. he's gone to AC Milan yeah losing him is uh, is a fairly sizable blow for Bruges but they knew it was coming I mean the guy was too good to play in the Belgian league for much longer Um, they also sold Stanley and Saki to Hoffenheim and Luis Openda to lend. they made quite a lot of money this summer uh they've brought in uh, Dedrick Boyata formerly of Celtic and Man City Casper Nielsen player I'm not really familiar with Ferran Yutgla don't know him at all a young player from Barcelona I, I remember hearing about that deal and Bjorn Meyer from Groningen who's a decent defender uh but overall they're probably a bit weaker than they were last year and it will probably be a tough enough group for them uh I would guess right now at Atleti and Porto going through at Leverkusen in third. Um, but I'm hopeful that Leverkusen will find their way through to the knockout stages. Uh, in Group A, I'm saying Liverpool to win, Napoli second, Ajax third and Rangers fourth. Uh, group C, um, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan and Victoria Plzen. Now, a lot of people have been laughing at for being put in this group this is a dream draw for them the amount of money they're going to make from this is incredible like their own stadium holds 11 and people i would guess they're going to move the games their home games because they'll want bigger gate receipts So, where they'd move it, I don't know. Uh, Maybe the Eden Arena, which is um, home to Slavia Prague, and one of the stadiums used for national team matches. There isn't really, I don't think, a big stadium in the Czech Republic. But that's the biggest one, the Eden Arena. Just over 20,000 capacity. So, well, not huge. It is nearly double what they can fit in their own stadium. But all three of those are going to be massive, massive occasions for that club. So, congrats to them. I think they'll finish bottom. Byron will win the group. I think it's just Barca or Inter between second and third. If I had to guess, I'd say Barca f- probably get second, and Inter third. But you never know. Group D... Eintracht Frankfurt, Spurs, Sporting, and Marseille. I think Spurs should top this group. They're the best team in the group. This group might feature Cristiano Ronaldo because the only two clubs who seem to have any passing interest in him are Sporting and Marseille, Sporting with the heavier interest and probably the more likely to get him, given his connection to the club. Um... I think it'll be Spurs and Sporting that go through, even when I do the foot. I think Spurs and Sporting go through. Eintracht in third and Marseille in fourth. Group E, Milan, Chelsea, Red Bull, Salzburg, Dinamo, Zagreb. Very straightforward group for Chelsea. They should top that group. Milan second. I'd guess Salzburg third and, uh, Leip- and Zagreb fourth. Group F, Real Madrid, RB Leipzig, Shakhtar, Donetsk and Celtic. I think most people expect it to end in that order, but I actually think Celtic could get third because Shakhtar are going to have to play all of their games on neutral venues and they've lost so many players. So I actually think Celtic could sneak third in that one. Group G, Manchester City, Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund and Copenhagen. I am going to say City win the group. I think that's a you know a bold pick. And then um, I think Dortmund will get second. I don't know why, but I think Dortmund gets second. And obviously if Sevilla drop into the Europa League, they're probably winning it. Uh, Copenhagen to finish bottom. And then Group H is Juventus, Paris Saint-Germain, Benfica, and Maccabi Haifa. I think Benfica and PSG go through and Juve end up in the Europa League. There isn't really a group of death this year or anything even resembling one. I think Group D with Eintracht, Tottenham, Sporting and Marseille is probably the most well-balanced. Obviously, the group with Bayern, Barca and Inter is the one that will get all the eyeballs. But I think that Group D, in terms of you know, from the gap from best to worst, is probably the smallest in that one. Uh, on then to the Europa League, Group A: Arsenal, PSV Eindhoven, Bodo Glimt, and Zurich. Now this is, or should be, a fairly straightforward group for Arsenal. But at the same time, nobody fancies a trip up to Bodo Glimt nobody wants that so that's going to be tough enough and psv are decent so they'll be tested but they should breeze through and psv should go through second uh group b dinamo kiev ren fenerbahce and aek lanica i i would guess ren go through as group winners kiev maybe second group c roma europa conference league holders Ludogorets, Real Betis and HJK. If Roma and Betis don't go through, something has gone wrong. Group D is Braga, Malmö, Union Berlin and Saint-Gilloise. I think Braga and Berlin probably the two strongest teams. Group E is Manchester United, Real Madrid, Sheriff Tiraspol and Omanoel I have no idea. I've never heard of that Dave, club you before. you said
0: Real Madrid instead of Real Sociedad.
1: Ah, crap, <laughs> so. uh, Group E is Manchester United, Real Sociedad, Sheriff Tiraspol, who obviously everyone remembers were in that group with Real Madrid and um, Inter Milan last year and actually managed to beat Real Madrid. And then a Cypriot team... Athletic club, Ammonia, Nicosia. Um, United and Real Sociedad should breeze through. But it would be funny if Sheriff could pull off an upset there. Group F, Lazio, Feyenoord, Mittljand and Sturm. Lazio and Feyenoord should be the two best teams in that group. Group G, Olympiacos, Quarabeg, Freiburg and Nantes. I'm going to say Olympiacos and Freiburg should go through. And Group H is Red Star, Belgrade, Monaco, Ferrick Varosh, and Trabzonspor. I think Monaco and Trabzonspor might be the two best teams there. So, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Decent enough group. Obviously, that competition gets much stronger when the Champions League clubs drop in. Um the Europa Conference League draw has not been made yet. If it's made before we finish this, I'll uh, I'll comment on it. But some decent teams in there. Pot A has Real, Alkmaar, Istanbul, Bashikshir, and West Ham. Uh, pot B has Cluj, Molda, Fiorentina, the artist formerly known as FC Stoya Bucharest, Cologne. Pot C, sorry, Pot Three has Nice, Anderlecht, Shamrock Rovers, up the lads, and Hearts. And pot four has Dnipro, the Phoenix club that rose from the ashes of the former club who went belly up because their owner was an absolute moron. Uh, Silkberg also in there, and Balkani, mighty Balkani, And uh, right, if that comes up before we finish... We'll talk about it. If not, we just won't. We won't talk about it ever. Um, let's do the gossip. We'll take a break. We'll bring in Guy and we'll go through this weekend's games nice and quick. West Ham have made a fresh bid for Lucas Paqueta after their first bid of £42.2 million was rejected. Some rumours this morning that the new bid is in the region of £51 million and has been accepted. We'll wait and see on that one. Manchester City have rejected a £59 million pound bid from Paris Saint-Germain for Bernardo Silva. If he leaves, I think he will only go to Barcelona. I don't think it'll be anywhere else, and I don't think it's this window. Chelsea are preparing a new bid for Wesley Fafana. Leicester have been very clear on what they want. They want 80 million, or a little bit more than 80 million. They want more than they got from Maguire, and Chelsea are offering quite a bit less, but then they're adding... offering add-ons Leicester don't want add-ons they want guaranteed cash so we'll wait and see what happens but he's not going to be in the Leicester squad until the transfer window closes according to Brendan Rodgers Uh, the Hammers have also had a bid for Belgium midfielder Hans Vanigan turned down yeah well that's fine this is great Ajax head coach Alfred Schroeder says he is confident Anthony will not be sold to Manchester United despite the latest £76 million bid. My good God. For Anthony. Turning that down is ludicrous. But they obviously know United are just desperate and stupid. Manchester United have been offered the chance to sign Marco Asensio for £25 million. Why would you do that? United are set to bid £25 million for Cody Gakpo. It's just such a bizarre thing that you want a right, a left-footed right-winger and your backup target is a right-footed left-winger. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Same thing they did at centre-back. They wanted Jurian Timber. So then they couldn't get him and they bought a completely different profile of player in the Sandra Martinez. They wanted Frankie De Young, couldn't get him. Bought a completely different profile of player in Casemiro. This is not a club that has any idea what it's doing. The Old Trafford Club have made a failed bid for Benjamin Pavard. I doubt it. Uh, Real Sociedad have entered the race to sign Edinson Cavani, who is a free agent. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need a striker now because um, Alexander Isak is in the tune, having his medical today. Manchester United have held further talks with Newcastle over a loan move for Martin De that would include a £5 option to buy. Liverpool's pursuit of Jude Bellingham could be helped by Dortmund's interest in Naby Keita. Well, Naby Keita's had a contract next summer, so not really. Um, Unless he's just willing to go to Dortmund maybe in January or something. Because it doesn't look like Dortmund will sell before the World Cup. Everton are in advance talks to sign Neil Mopé. When you are a team that can not score goals, signing a striker that doesn't score a lot of goals is probably not the right move, but... Frank will frank. Arsenal midfielder Albert Sambi-Laconga is on Jose Mourinho's shortlist as he looks to replace the injured Ginny Wijnaldum. Ginny's so unfortunate. So unfortunate. Former Tottenham and Villarreal right-back Serge Aurier has reportedly agreed a move to Nottingham Forest. He is a free agent. Uh, Guy informs me that my good friend Football Insider, spoofer that he is, is reporting that Ever- that Forest have made a loan offer to Everton for Michael Keane. Uh, I hope that's not true. If not, we have to liquidate Nottingham Forest immediately. Uh, Fulham and Lazio want to take Tottenham and Spain's 25-year-old defender Sergio Reguilon on loan. I think Fulham are trying to sign Kurzawa from PSG, apparently. Lazio would be a good fit for Reguilon. Wolves have made an inquiry about Galatasaray and Denmark centre-back Victor Nelson. He's very good. I do like him. Um... I think he'd be a decent enough fit at Wolves as a third centre-back to rotate in between Collins and Kilman. And he does have a buyout clause of €25 million, so they might be trying to get that a bit lower. Bordeaux are interested in signing Fulham's out-of-favour French winger Anthony Knockhart. Be good signing for Bordeaux. Ralph Hasenhutl says Che Adams is not for sale this summer. That's a smart move. Manchester City and England under-21 midfielder Cole Palmer is wanted on a season-long loan by Borussia Dortmund. Now, why would they want him? Plays the same position as Jude. Hmm? If there's any truth to that, maybe there's something. Guy is informing me that Alex Neal, manager of Sunderland, is on his way to Stoke to have talks about becoming their new manager. Um, Alex Neal's a good manager. He is. And he's done very well in the past with Norwich, with Hamilton Academical, which was his first job, then Norwich, did well with Preston, and um, and he's done very well with Sunderland, got them promoted. Now, that kills the dream of the Tony Pulis reunion with Mighty Stoke. But, Tony Pulis and Sunderland, you'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mr Drinkle and we will rattle through this week's fixtures. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. Before Guy comes in, David Ornstein has reported that Alexander Isak has signed a six-year contract with Newcastle. The hope is that he will be able to play against Wolves on Sunday. Now, if he hasn't been registered by now, he's not going to be able to play. Uh, he has to be registered by 12 o'clock today. Uh, all-time record transfer fee for Newcastle, 60 Million pounds. Massive, massive investment. Big gamble, but huge talent and potentially, potentially a great signing. One funny note about Newcastle the Joe Pedro pursuit is over. Multiple local journalists taking great joy in laughing at the spoofer with the catchphrase the man who told us on Tuesday that it was a done deal and has said nothing since has been found out once again, jumping the gun, making a show of himself, trying to be relevant. He is a spoofer. And if you believe what he says, I would like to sell you a bridge. It's a nice bridge. Can be your bridge. Right. We're joined by Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir?
0: I am good. Although Liverpool play soon. So that could bring me back down.
1: Yes, yes, it very much could. It very much could. But
0: we have other games to talk about before that. So. We have other games to
1: talk
0: about. <laughs> yeah. Um, first up, then at half twelve, we have Southampton against Man U. On um, BT Sport, as usual. I suppose the question here is, Dave, is can Man United be bothered playing like they did against Liverpool against Southampton?
1: To be fair, if they play like they did against Liverpool, they'll probably get beaten because. Uh, Liverpool were just that, that, <laughs> that it just contributed to their own demise um, United have everybody basically fit who would play Brandon Williams and Fecunda Palestri wouldn't be in the squad anyway they're both out Victor Lindelof still out he wouldn't be playing at the minute anyway and obviously Mason Greenwood out for Saints, uh, Livermento's out they're hoping Roman Perot could be back for the make the bench but it remains to be seen Saints have started the season in I think decent enough shape, they started well against Spurs went ahead and then kind of collapsed they went two behind at home to Leeds and fought back and got a good point they went behind away to Leicester, fought back and got a win that's a lot more than I've seen from this United team who were pathetic against Brighton an abomination against Brentford. And while they did play well against Liverpool, like it wasn't a great performance. It was all in all fairly average. A lot of desperation defending, a lot of clunky attacking play. A good win for them, but a win that Liverpool basically cost themselves or a defeat that Liverpool cost themselves is, is more the way to look at this. Now Obviously, United should be beating Southampton because they're a better team than Southampton. But or Sorry, that's the wrong way to say this. They've got better individuals than Southampton. But do they have that feel of a team? Like Southampton, I look at them and they feel like a team. They feel like everybody knows what they're meant to be doing. I don't get that with United. I think United will take a lot of confidence from the weekend into this one. And S- Saints don't really have a big-time goal threat to worry them. But they do have a number of players that can get goals. I think they'll match United in midfield. I just worry about individual errors causing Southampton in defence. I'm going to go for a United win. But I'm not confident in it. But I'm going to say 2-1 to United.
0: Yeah, I think this could be anything, really. Uh, Have you got a player to watch from this one? I forgot to do this last week, but we'll bring it back.
1: Yeah, I think Romeo Lavi is the one to keep an eye on. Playing in that holding midfield role for Southampton, he's been so impressive so far. Only 18. Um, This kid is, I think, going to be an absolute star. And if there is a country who should be excited about their young midfield options, I think Belgium might be that country with Lavia. Aster Vranckx of Wolfsburg is, is also excellent, as is Marco Canna and Amadou Onana, who's just gone to Everton, plus Charles de Ketelier and Yari Vacheron, who are senior internationals now. Um, that's a really strong, exciting group of midfield players. Uh, and he might be the most talented of them all. So, yeah, Romeo Lavi is
0: the one I'll go for. Yeah, an 18-year-old and looking Premier League-ready. Insane stuff. Um, Moving on then to, well, soon to be the Neil Mopai derby. I think Everton about to sign him, I think. Um, Brentford against Everton. Uh, Brentford, what's their form? I've actually got the form table because we've had more than two games. Um, A mix, one of each result, whereas Everton or Everton Um, Brentford should see this as a game they have to win but we know how Everton play especially away from home it's going to be 12 behind the ball Um, Brentford mixing it up with a 4-3-3 in in games do you think that'll be enough to break down Everton's defensive block
1: yeah I think it will I think with Ivan Toney and movement and pace around him um, I'm hoping we see Damsgaard in midfield to see what he has to offer Um, Brentford obviously will be disappointed with last weekend's result away to Fulham but they did come back from 2-0 down to to get level in the game I think that showed a lot of character second time this season that they've come from 2-0 down to get level they did it at Leicester on the opening day as well um, and got a point that day so that's a positive result they obviously hammered United I think they'll have more than enough for Everton going into the game they are without uh, Asia's out Canos is out and Pinnock is out. and Lewis Potter are doubts. Whereas Everton have a long list of injuries. Townsend, Godfrey, Mina, Calvert-Lewin, Decoore and Andre Gomes all out. Tom Davies a doubt. So I'm going to go for the home win. I'm going to go Brentford to win 3-1.
0: Yeah, and Molly didn't like that game either, so don't watch that one.
1: Molly doesn't like Frank Lampard. Yeah. She has a she has a, a, an inbuilt Tory hatred of, of all Tories. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Molly's not a fan. Molly is Sinn Féin all the way. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Uh, one to watch in this one?
1: One to watch in this one, if he starts, is Damsgaard, because I yeah. just think he's a, a really exciting player to add to the league. Um if he doesn't start though, I'd say just keep an eye on Ivan because he started the season really well. He's mm. involved in everything good that Brentford do, and I I think he's bound for bigger things.
0: He has to get an England call up soon, you'd think. Unless he's declared did he do he hasn't declared for Jamaica, has he?
1: He hasn't declared for anybody else, no. He'd be in my he'd be in my England squad right now yeah. if I was picking it today.
0: If I'd Kane, Abraham, and him, I'd think it'd be the three. Um, but anywho, we'll, we'll not get sidetracked. Moving on to Brighton against Leeds. Should be a fun game. Both had decent starts to the Premier League season. Um, but Brighton's midfield just looks excellent. And to be fair, I think uh, so is Leeds, to be fair. I mean, I, I'd never really seen that Brendan Aronson, but. It seems built for Jesse Marsh, if not the Red Bull system, where he obviously came from in Salzburg. But I think this will be an interesting one for the purists. Um, but yeah, it should be, a, should be an interesting game.
1: Oh, this game's a hipster's dream, isn't it? Jesse mm. Marsh against Graham Potter. Jeans everywhere. Um, yeah, like you said, Brighton have made a good start to the season. Unbeaten so far, seven points. Leeds the same. Now, Leeds will be a little bit disappointed. It's not nine points. Because, remember, they were 2-0 up away to Southampton and let that slip. But they beat Wolves and they hammered Chelsea. So it's been a difficult start as well. Brighton, I think, also will be disappointed not to have nine points. Because they beat United away. They beat West Ham away. And they drew it home with Newcastle in a game that they dominated. So, again, mm. for them, like it's been a difficult start. This is not like they've played three bad teams each. Both of them have played good teams. And gotten great results. Uh, going into the game, Leeds, no Stuart Dallas, no Luke Ailing, no Junior Firpo. They're hoping to have Bamford on the bench, but I wouldn't be risking him if you can avoid it. Uh, for Brighton, Jakob Motors out long term, and Jeremy Sarmiento, they hope to be back in about a month. I really like this Brighton team, but I do worry about Graham Potter playing lads that just don't offer enough, like Lalana. Danny Welbeck is quite easy to bottle up. He doesn't offer a big goal threat. Solly March isn't really offering you a whole lot, but the players that do offer a ton, like Alexis McAllister, like Moises Casado, like Trossard, strong defence. But Leeds look a lot of fun right now. They really do look a lot of fun right now. And as you said, Aronson just looks like he's made for the Premier League. Absolutely made for it. High pressing, technical ability, clever, aggressive. The two boys that are sitting behind Roca and Tyler Adams, they're in sync straight away. There was no settling in period for these two lads. It's like they've been playing together for years. The centre-back pairing looks strong with Coch and Lorente Now, Obviously, the big question mark on those two is, can they stay fit? Mm. Because they were both to play together and we've barely seen them together. And this is year three. Mm. So this might be the longest run that they've had together as well. I like what Marsh has done using Stryk as his left back. Yeah. Because it means that it, out of possession, they can tuck in real narrow. I think Christensen's been a runaway success at right back so mm-hmm. far. So that defense looks much much better than the mess we saw under Bielsa, especially with those two sitting in front. So they're a lot s- stronger this year. Um, they do miss Rafinha a little bit, just in terms of transition attacks. But
0: we've not seen
1: Sinisterra. Yeah. is starting to to really look like he's going to be a weapon in this league. He so midweek, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did, and he and he looked impressive. So I'm going to go for the draw here. I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games the weekend. Um, probably is it the best of the three pm kickoffs? Chelsea That's... Leicester's got potential to be funny. It does, but yeah, more funny than good. Um, this is probably the best of the three pm yeah. kickoffs. I'm gonna go. Although City Palace could be interesting. I'm gonna go for a one-one draw. Brighton versus Leeds.
0: Picking one to watch from this will be difficult because, as you said, the hipster's dream. That's a young talent. But why is it Adam I can only go with
1: one player. I can only go with one player. It's not Adam Lallana. It's (laughs) definitely Adam Lallana. Fellow was running around last week against West Ham like he had a parachute in his back. Um, It's Moises Casado. It, It just is. And it's going to be him most weeks that Brighton play because he is, I think, a really special talent in midfield. So he's the one to keep an eye on. But if you're you know, wanting to see maybe a more attack-minded player, Aronson. He does look like somebody that might go on to be really, really special. He he might have, like, he doesn't have as much talent as Pulisic, and I don't think he's got as much talent as someone like Gio Reyna, but he mm. might have the consistency that Pulisic lacks and the physical Not robustness. <laughs> yeah, because Reyna's always hurt. He's so gifted, but he's always hurt.
0: Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting, that one. And unfortunately, I have put Rodrigo in my FPL, so he won't be scoring again for the rest of the season, unfortunately, Leeds fans. I'm sorry, but it happens.
1: Yeah, that's the end of him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on then to the soon-to-be Wesley fofana derby, Chelsea, Leicester. Oh, God. Um, Leicester are a mess at the minute, and Chelsea mm. a part of the reason why it is a mess, but Chelsea against Leeds last week, regardless of what Thomas. Tuchel being very disrespectful to the lead that after the game. um, They just got outran, outfought, outhungered. Yeah. It, yeah, it was a shock to the system, I'd say, considering especially the way they played against Spurs the week
1: previous. Chelsea were, were weird in that game because they did start it well, but their entire attacking plan seemed to be give it to Sterling and get out of his way. And Raheem is great, but that's not really a plan so much as a you know a Hail Mary, Hope and Pray type of job. Um, and once the game went against them, they were absolutely all over the place. And defensively, they looked a shambles. Now they're missing Kante, Koulibaly will be suspended, Kovacic is out, which is a huge blow because he's the best midfielder. And Marcus Alonso remains kind of in limbo because it looks like Barca have sort of pulled back from wanting to sign him, probably because they, they can't register him. Um, they need to get players out just to register Jules Koundé. Uh, Armando Broya also expected to miss out with an injury Leicester are a train wreck though like Ricardo Pereira is out for eight months or however long James Madison has a knock Wesley Fofana is not playing for what they're calling personal reasons uh, I have reason to believe he had quite the <laughs> <Tratveritis>. quite the <laughs> temper tantrum Um but look, Leicester haven't done anything wrong here. They're just holding on to their best players, like him and Madison. They could have sold Madison to Newcastle. They chose not to. They could have sold Fafana. They chose not to. And by the side Allegedly... of it,
0: they're, they're, um, Chelsea are inflating the prices publicly because I think Lampard came out and said Chelsea have bid nowhere near 60 mil this morning. Mm. I think for Anthony said, Gordon. Yeah, so maybe yeah. The, the reports about 80-odd mil bids are just completely farcical.
1: I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are or if they are it might be a thing where it's like you know 50 million over 20 plus a, <laughs> yeah and, but a, and a whole lot of add-ons yeah so I don't know Chelsea seem to be playing a bit of football manager at the moment they seem to jump from one target to the next and none of it really makes sense but they have landed good players so far and fan is excellent but yeah by all accounts he had quite, quite the temper tantrum when he was told they weren't going to sell and Rodgers hasn't softened his stance publicly, which leads me to believe that the club haven't softened behind the scenes either. And when you Mm -hmm. see Romano say, oh, it's taking place between intermediaries, I don't believe that for one second because he spouted the same nonsense when it was the Sancho deal uh, the first summer round, 2020. And that's how he gained, like I think he got four and a half million followers from just telling lies Mm. about a transfer that had been dead for months and months and months, and he continued to pretend it was still ongoing. And unfortunately, there are people stupid enough to believe him, and then there are other journalists, and I'd call them more journalists who are, you know, the clickbait. It's clickbait merchants. So they see Romano say it, and they say, Well, if I say it now, people will just say, oh, well, you know, that's in line with what Romano said, so they'll believe it. I think there was so much of that. I think there's so much of that around Fafana. I think they're going to end up keeping him and maybe selling him next year because that's what they promised him, that in the summer of 2023, he could get a big move. Mm. Um, And if Fafana has any sense, he'll look at the landscape and know that next summer, there's more likely to be big moves for him. There could be Real Madrid. They might be looking for a centre-back next year. City. City, PSG. So... If he's smart, I think he'll settle down. But he's a young kid, and that's that's the be-all and end of it. He's the, he's a young kid whose head has been turned a little bit. Um, in this game, though, I expect Chelsea to win. They're simply a better team. they mm-hmm. haven't bought in the summer. They haven't looked good so far. They've thrown away two leads in, in home games that they should have won. And... Um, I think Brandon's in a bit of trouble here. I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if if this is Brendan's last game. If if Chelsea give them a heavy beating, like three or four, it wouldn't surprise me if Rogers was gone come Monday. I think the time has come for him to go anyway. But, you know, they, they looked they looked good to start against Brentford and fell apart. They looked awful against Arsenal. They went ahead against Southampton, but never looked in control of the game and ended up losing. I think the owners are going to get sick of him soon. I think the players already are. I'm going to go for the Chelsea win, but I'll go for a moderate
0: 2-0. Yeah, I think if Chelsea were a bit more in sync, maybe, but playing Reese James at centre-back when he's probably their biggest mm. attacking threat, no striker Because I know you're one of his biggest fans, but Kai Havertz has not really developed.
1: Anything no, he hasn't. That's the, he hasn't, and and like there's no doubting the talent is there, but he just seems so unsure of himself. See, one of the problems is when you play a front three with Kai and Mason Mount, do the you they do they want to be in the same kind of areas, and Kai is dropping into those areas as a nine, dropping out, and Mount is sort of floating around as some sort of phone number ten. And it's just a getting in each other's way. And it's leaving a lot on Sterling. Whereas, as I've said before, if they were to go to something like a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 and play Mount as an actual 10 with Kai as an actual nine, then I think that works a lot better. Sterling on one wing gets someone on the other, Kovacic plus one in midfield, Reese James, whoever, Koulibaly and Kukurela. That all of a sudden makes a lot, an awful lot more sense than what they're trying to do at the minute. But it's it's so forced to put Thiago Silva in the team. Like, I don't know if Tuchel's just scared of him or what the situation is, but they, they're holding themselves back by playing him. And yes, he does have good games, but he also has bad games. And your team has a lot more bad games because they're playing a formation that doesn't suit the other players that they have. So... If I was Thomas Tuchel, I'd be looking to get Thiago Silva out of the team. And maybe if Fafana arrives, that is the plan. Because Fafana, Koulibaly makes sense as a two. Fafana, Silva, Koulibaly doesn't really make a ton of sense as a three. Um, One to watch for this game. Harvey Barnes. Harvey Barnes. Yeah. There was signs against Brentford that he was getting back to the Harvey Barnes we know, and uh, I think he could cause a lot of problems. For actually, do you know what? The one to watch is Thiago Silva because mm. I want to see how he deals with Vardy. Yeah, yeah the pace and and narc and just just all the Jamie Vardy things, and that's what I want to see. So we go we'll go Thiago Silva.
0: Interesting. Um, now, the game, I think both of us are slightly dreading, and that is terrifying to say. I, not, well, slightly disrespectful, but it is Liverpool against Bournemouth. Um, if Liverpool don't win this... I, Jesus. I, I don't know. The seventh season clop thing is more certainly real, if that's the
1: case. If, if Liverpool don't win this, do we, just, do we just start leaning into a clap-out narrative just for <sighs> the... Just, the just for the know. listens, just for the listens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, yeah, Liverpool should be winning this game. This is this is a championship team. It's a championship squad with a championship manager. And um, yeah. they have injury issues like Solanke's a doubt, Stanislas is a doubt, Fredericks is out, Rothwell is out, Brooks is out. Now, I know Liverpool have injuries as well, but Liverpool have a much bigger, stronger squad. Um, for Liverpool, Alcantara out, Jota out, Matip out, Darwin Nunes suspended, uh, Kelleher out, Curtis Jones out, Nabi Keita we don't know, Ox out, Kanate out, Calvin Ramsey out. Uh, it's a lot, it's 10 players in total. Um, the only ones coming close, Everton have seven, and that is the only one that's even close. The next highest is Bournemouth with sixth. With six, rather, and Newcastle with six. Um, Liverpool just have to win this game. It's as simple as that. They have to win this game. They've been a disaster to start the year. They did get a very favourable start to the season. Newly promoted Fulham, a Crystal Palace team that had a really bad pre season, and the worst United team in 35 years. They should have been three wins, three straightforward wins. But Liverpool have hijacked their own season through Jurgen Klopp's refusal to add a midfielder this summer whether that's because there's something in place for Bellingham next summer or not I don't know shouldn't and if there matter, is it shouldn't matter that's the thing you you're gonna you need two midfielders anyway and if you're messing about with Naby Keita and he's looking to leave then you need three so you need Jude plus two and the clever way to do that will be to buy one now Get one either in January, someone who's running out of contract, and you can get them cheap, or lock them up on a pre-contract so they will arrive in the summer, and then Jude arrives next summer. And that's how you get your three. To try and leave it all to next summer, when you're also going to have to replace Firmino, when you might also have the likes of Costa Simicus turn around and say, I don't want to be a backup anymore, or Quevin Keller saying, I want to go and play somewhere. So you might need a left back. and like It's just an awful lot to start placing on one summer. I'm going to pick a Liverpool win. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. I don't feel confident in them beating Bournemouth at home. Now, Bournemouth have been awful. They beat a really bad Villa team, but they didn't play well. They got two goals from second balls and set pieces. And then they got trounced by City and just brushed aside by Arsenal. Liverpool should be beating them very, very comfortably. But if Klopp is playing Henderson or Milner, I just don't feel confident.
0: You're gonna be annoyed when he plays both of them. Um one, one to watch. Give it James Milner. Go on.
1: <laughs> young young Milner. No, I'm gonna speak this into existence. The one to watch making his Liverpool debut in midfield next to Fabinho is Stefan Basetic.
0: I've got a new theory, Dave. No. I'm going to use it here. Sepp Vandenberg, right-back, Trent in midfield. I don't like his midfield shots, but... You know, what? Charts, but
1: Do you know what? I'm I'm not against it, Guy. At this point, I'm not against it. I'd even go Sepp at centre-back and Gomez at right-back, mm. whichever way it works, and and Trent in midfield. I, I genuinely would. Now, I think, obviously, Trent would be much more comfortable on the right in midfield. He'd have to play on the left, because Harvey Elliott would be playing on the right, but well, this we point i two
0: in midfield cuz well we don't have a
1: forward with <laughs> Yeah, he could play he could play Fab and Trent as a two and then go with Elliot Ryan. Elliot Carvalho and Diaz behind Salah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. Um anything other than seeing James Milner and Jordan Henderson try to play football in the year of our lord 2022. Jesus <laughs> wept.
0: Yeah, just anything. Um Next up, then, Man City against Palace. Um, Palace obviously had a bit of a mixed start to the season, but we, we know the talents there. Mm. Um, whereas Man City uh, looked terrifying at times, but Newcastle did show ways to hurt them. Kyle Walker's clearly not the same player he was a couple of years ago, but not everyone has Alan San Maximum. But Palace are one of them teams, I'd say, have the similar profile in players. Um... John Stones and who else played centre? They brought Diaz on, didn't they? Um, quite early on. But the the centre backs got rag ragdolled quite a bit by Sam Maxim and Wilson, etc. And maybe this is the difference between Newcastle and Palace. I know you're a fan of DeCure, but Newcastle's midfield just kind of overpowered Man City, yeah. whereas maybe Palace's can't. That's probably the main yeah. difference. But this should be an interesting game, but it wouldn't surprise me if City just like swap them away at the same time
1: No I wouldn't be surprised either Now City have injury issues uh, Laporte is out Ake is out I think Grealish is out but that actually helps them Calvin Phillips is still a doubt I think he would have been someone they would have liked To have been able to bring on last weekend And Mabeta um, tattoo, but he wouldn't be playing anyway um, Palace do have similar enough Profiles you could look at Wilf Zaha obviously as a St Maximum type pacey Great ball carrier, very direct. Mateta in that Calvin, uh, Callum Wilson type of role as a bustly, powerful number nine who can knock centre-backs around. Um, on the right, I'm hoping we'll see Michael Alise. He's back fit again, which is great news, but he might just stick with AU. Eze as a ball-carrying dynamic midfielder, quite similar to what Willock and Jolington were doing. Jeff Schlupp is the same, just not of the same calibre, obviously. De is very good. He's not Bruno Gomeric, though. Bruno Gomeric is exceptional. Now, they might be about the same level defensively, but Gomeric on the ball is unbelievable. I do think Palace have a better centre-back pairing than Newcastle. Yeah. And and a better left-back in Tyreek Mitchell. But the right-back is an issue for me, and I think that's an area City will target with, with Phil Foden. Mm. It'd be interesting to see if Haaland actually does anything in this game or if it's just another one where he scores or gets an assist and does nothing else. Like, he hasn't played well yet. I know he's got three goals and an assist, and that's fantastic, but he hasn't actually played well yet.
0: Peck did mention he will rotate Haaland, and we obviously have midweek games next week. Who have they got? I think it's Forrest. Forrest on Wednesday. So. I'd probably say Palace is the one you'd probably need him more in so maybe this mm-hmm. is the one where he plays and he gets rotated in the midweek because then I believe the Champions League starts the week after.
1: Yeah, it does. And then it gets real tight in the schedule.
0: Yeah. So would you would you start Haaland in this one or would you say I start
1: I start I start him in this one and I'd leave him out against Forest yeah. or even play him 60 like just you know get get your comfortable lead and then start to take players off. If you're 3-0 up at half time, take him off. Yeah. Um but I don't think they will be 3-0 up. I think this is going to be a tight game. City, I think City will win, obviously. But I think it'll be a tight enough game because Palace are no pushover. And they will create chances against everybody. And Elise and Eze have, have caused them problems before because of how good they are at carrying the ball. And Wilf has caused them absolute nightmares in the past. Because um, of how he plays. So I'm going to say 2-1 to City. I don't think it's going to be easy for them. Now I'll say that and they'll win five 0 but I just don't <laughs> think this is going to be an easy one for them.
0: Uh, one to watch,
1: Michael Alise.
0: Yeah,
1: and if he do- if he doesn't play Eberichi but I just I think both of them are immense. I, mean, I just think Alisi I is special. Ezio. yeah, I mean, th- th- there's something about watching him just effortlessly dribble past four players yeah. <laughs> that you just you just don't see enough of in the game today. But I think Elise there's just something about him that I just think is really, really rare. Um, either of those, either of those two, they're both so good. And I, I'd love, I'd love if Palace were in a position where they could just say, we're going to have these two for the next six, seven, eight years. And we're going to have De Kure and Guehi and Mitchell. And that's the core we're building around. And we're going to add players to accentuate that. And, you know, this is what we're going to be because they they could build a sensational team with how how cleverly they're recruiting.
0: Be interesting to go back for Saar as well.
1: That's the thing. Like, if they go back in for him, they've been linked with Bubakari Samari, who'd help in midfield. I think it looks like Wan-Bissaka might end up back there, potentially on a loan with an option to buy quite Mm. cheap, which I know we've laughed at Wan-Bissaka and United signing him, but he's a really good fit for Palace. And if he's 10 million that's really good value for a £15 million right-back.
0: Yeah, and he can improve because he broke broke in under Hodgson, who wouldn't let him do anything other than slide tackle people. So played under Vieira. To be fair, even Joel Ward probably had his best season in years last year, so he can improve people, as we've seen.
1: Uh, And Nat Nat Klein looks like a good player again, or a decent player again, having looked like a train wreck before that for a couple of years
0: yeah his end at liverpool wasn't the cleanest was it um but we'll move on um should be a game. late kickoff on the saturday's arsenal against fulham um fulham obviously really impressive against liverpool mad game last week against brentford um i'm used to scrolling down to see fulham and they sat there in seventh early season stuff um should have, won, should have won against Wolves as well with, with the penalty that was saved. So they've had a really positive start to the season. Maybe could have uh, should have got more points out of it. But Arsenal, Arsenal just look well, look excellent in attack. And conceded two against Leicester, but an own goal ended Leicester. They're still a good attacking team. Um, I'd have to say Arsenal are the clear favourites for this one, but. Seeing someone like Saliba getting tested, probably for the first time against a very Premier League striker in Mitrovic, should, mm. should be interesting.
1: Yeah, it should be. This will be the first real test he's faced. And, you know, there were moments against Leicester where he did look a bit shaky. He looked very good against Palace. He looked very good against um, Bournemouth, but he had nothing to do defensively against Bournemouth. And against Palace, like, to be fair, if you look at their two goals, he's a, not the two goals, the two big chances that Palace had, he's a little bit all at sea in both of them. So he looks very good on the ball, and he obviously scored a great goal, and he's dominant in the air, and he's quick. But he does look a little bit unsure of himself when nippy forwards are in and around him. Now, he's a young defender. That's all young defenders. And I think he is going to be exceptionally good. There's a reason I was saying also that if Leicester were smart, they'd have been ringing. When he was talking about not wanting to be at Arsenal, about wanting to play, Leicester should have been all over that offering, even offering cash and Tielemans for him. You get him and Fafana together, all of a sudden you've got maybe the best young pairing in the world. Um, In in, in the end, they might end up with neither of them come deadline day. Um. Arsenal will win this game. They've got everybody fit by Reese Nelson, who wouldn't be playing. Fuller without Harry Wilson, who is a key player, Cabano, who's a decent squad option, and Manor Solomon, that they brought in in the summer and is, is going to be out long term. Arsenal should win this game quite comfortably. But I, I do agree with you. I, I do think Mitrovic will cause them trouble. So I'm going to go 3 1 to Arsenal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be one to watch a good game to watch as well. Have you got a player? Is Saliba the jewel there the Saliba's one? Saliba's
1: the one, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I want to see how he does against against Because Mitchell, Mitro's He's just really unique in, in how he plays. Like he's a big lump, but he's also quite good at dropping off, picking the ball up and yeah. carrying.
0: He's got clever movement, hasn't
1: he? He's not just... And he's got clever movement. Yeah. And he do you know what he has that is underrated? He's got a proper bit of fight about him. Now he's managed to tame the, the early urges he had when he was a younger player that saw him get sent off a lot. To be
0: fair, he should have got sent off the other week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he should have, to be fair. But he he just he will like he's like Vardy, but in if you took Jamie Vardy and turned him into a tank, that's Mitrovic in in many ways, like personality wise. So yeah I think William Salib is in for a for a big test and it'll be a big It'll be a big marker for him. If he comes out of that and he's he's done well and he's outplayed Mitrovic and kept him quiet, I think that'll be a big check for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it should be it should be a good one to watch as well. Uh moving on to Sunday games then. Uh before we go into the game, uh, Dave Villa West Ham, uh, West Ham have just announced Paquetta if you wanna give your reaction. Oh no, uh, David Onsine's saying it's all agreed now.
1: Um That is an unbelievable signing for West Ham. That is an unbelievable signing. He is a fantastic player. Brazilian international, immense ability, can be a playmaker, can be a goal scorer, works incredibly hard. He's really versatile. For West Ham to get him and Scamaca Skam- uh, in the one window mm. is just, it's so impressive. Like, this is a guy with 33 caps for Brazil. You don't get that far along with Brazil without having something about you. Last year, he played 15 times and was regularly a first-choice player. Um, 11 goals last year for Lyon, 10 the year before. Can play wherever you need him to play. Can be a 10, can be an 8, can play on the wing, can be a false 9, can play off a striker. And he's got plenty of fight about him. And I think West Ham fans should be absolutely ecstatic. I know they've had some disappointments with other transfers that fell through like Onana fell through and uh they thought they were getting Broy and it fell through and they thought Juma was coming and it it sort of went away but this is a great get I mean Agard I think it's excellent he's out injured but I think once he's back that's excellent Ariola on a permanent Moyes needs to just put him in the team and stop with the Fabianski nonsense Flynn Downs is a quality midfield player who's a really good third option Skimak is, I think he's outstanding. Max Cornet, great signing. Tilo Carrera, I'm a little bit unsure of because I think he's probably best in a back three mm. and they don't play a back three. And Emerson Palmieri, I'm not a fan of, but he is a very good crosser of the ball.
0: They could move that, to a back three, to be fair. Cause...
1: They could move to back three very easily once Agard's back. They could go with Carrera. Um, Zuma and Agard as the three. And Cresswell played left
0: centre-back for a season, didn't he? I, I he know, did. I know you're not the biggest fan, but...
1: He can, but he can player. play there. Yeah. And Ogbonna's back now, so he can play there. Um, Dawson, in the middle of a back three, will be fine as well. Mm-hmm. Zuma could switch out to the right if needed. Johnson um, could play a back three as well. Johnson could definitely play right side of a back three, absolutely. I think Sufal will suit as a wing-back. I think... Emerson Palmieri is much better as a wing back than a full yeah. back, and then in midfield you've you've got you could play Rice and Fornals, you could play Rice and Suchek, you could play Rice and Downs. You have your options then. Then maybe it's Bowen, or sorry, maybe it's Piquetta as a ten behind Bowen and Skimaka, and that all of a sudden is a really strong team, mm. a really really strong team with a front three that will cause a lot of problems with all the quality Paquette brings, Scamacca's physical profile, his finishing ability, his hold-up play and link play are excellent, and then the pace and finishing of Bowen, that could be really good. I mean, you've got like Ben Ram as an option for them, um, Lanzini's still there. Like Moving to back three might be the move for West Ham this season. There's more and more clubs starting to edge towards the back three, and I'm liking it, and I'm hoping at some point that someone will be brave enough to take a midfielder and say, you know what, I'm going to play you in the middle of my back three and you're going to be a sweeper and you're going to carry the ball from defence. You're going to be a playmaker from that role because Matthias Sammer still lives in my head Mm. rent-free. They've also been linked with Conor Gallagher as a potential loan signing, which would be another great addition in midfield. Mm. Like West Ham fans, I know Golden Sullivan have not been good owners. I know they're not good owners. But since Kratinsky took it, took 27% of the club, uh, the, the right moves are being made. Yeah. They are backing David Moyes. There can be absolutely no doubt. Now, it could be said that they're spending all this money ahead of a sale of Declan Rice in January or next summer. And if that's the case, so be it. There's going to be a really good team Left behind, you're not going to leave behind embers. It's going to be a good team, and Rice will be difficult to replace, but not impossible. And you can put more of a burden on Paqueta and Scamacca, and like I'm, you've got Bowen and Cornet, and I didn't even mention Antonio. So you'd have your front four options, say Scamacca and Bowen are the starters, but you could play Antonio and Cornet in the cups, in the Conference League with Ben Rama behind them, so you can rest all of your front three. If, let's say, Rice and, and Fornals as the starting midfield pairing, then you've got Suchek and Downs to play in those games. You could play Cresswell as your left wing back in those games. You could play Johnson as the right wing back. Like you, You're going to have a lot of options to have two teams that you can kind of rotate between for cups and, and whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, West Ham fans should be thrilled, absolutely thrilled. And when you see this deal and the Isak deal happening, you understand now the financial gulf between the Premier League and everybody else. The Super is League exists, there. people. <laughs> the Super League does exist. It does exist. It's just in England.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it should be an interesting time at West Ham, yeah. I I just want to see the new signings. To be honest, I I've been a fan of Antonio, but I want to see Skamaka. I want to see Cornier because and Bowen behind someone like Skamaka should be fun. Um, but we'll get into the games. Um, Villa, dear me. Um, where are Villa? Thirteenth, win and two losses. <laughs> <sighs>
1: I... The win was against Everton, though, so I don't know if it's a real win. That's true. Um,
0: Where's West and the, on the other side of that coin, West Ham have been awful in the Premier League so yeah. far. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> yeah.
1: This is an opportunity.
0: Yeah, this is an opportunity for West Ham to get their season. I think they won three 0 last week. Uh, last night, I should say. I think they have to view it as an opportunity to kick kickstart their season because Villa just look un uncoherent. Is probably the word. Mm. Um, I know the talent's there and Watkins can uh, be a hassle for anyone. Coutinho, Buendir are uh, uh, very talented. But West Ham if if Rice is on point they should dominate he should dominate the whole midfield on his own, never mind adding in Thomas Sucher. Mm. Um it's an intriguing one, but I think it's important for both.
1: It is. I actually think it's more important for West Ham though. Yeah. I, I just think you can't afford four straight defeats to start a season and even even a draw. Like they have real ambition, real ambition this year, to push themselves further and further up, to, up the table. So, you know they're going into this game. They do have a couple of injury issues. Uh, Agard, obviously we know Dawson is out, and Sufal has a knock. But they're hoping he's okay. If he's not, they have Johnson, who's who's I think really good, yeah. and really promising. Um. So that's that's okay and with Egard out Ogbana's back and you know they've got Carrera now they've got Zuma so they're okay in defence Villa no Ludwig Augustinson he'd be a sub anyway but you know Diego Carlos is out long term they've clearly been planning not to play Tyron Mings as much he's back in Villa fans are foolishly falling in love with him again even though he's still garbage um, Villa have had a very bad start to the season in terms of performance and results I mean you know, Losing 2-0 to Bournemouth Losing 3-1 to Palace in a game that could have been 5 or 6 or 7 The 2-1 win over Everton Even in that game they showed some signs of being Very very shaky The last five minutes was horrendous Oh it was horrible, absolutely, they were all over the place But then you look at West Ham And Brighton completely outplayed them last weekend Now they should have got something against Forest, they deserved at least A point yeah. against Forest without question and I'm not going to criticise someone for losing to City. Especially when, for all intents and purposes, they did match City for stretches of the game. And Erling Haaland just had two moments that made you go, wow. Like, mm. that explosion of pace into the box to win the penalty.
0: And the, and and then, the goalkeeper just came on as well. so he was cold. That's
1: the thing. He'd yeah. just come on. He, yeah, he wasn't up to the speed of the game. And then you had the second goal, which is just a, a bit of genius by Kevin De Bruyne. And then that explosive pace and power and a tidy finish. So, you know, you can't really criticize him too much for that one or the Forest one. But the, the Brighton one was disappointing. I think they bounced back. They've beaten Vyborg 6-1 on aggregate. So they're into the uh, Conference League draw. has scored. Ben Rama scored. Suchek scored. Suchek had been having a poor season so far so that'll give him com- uh, confidence skamac has got two goals in the conference league i think it's time to unleash him to start a premier league game um you know bowen is going to get going at some point i think it's i think it's only a matter of time i'm going to go for the the west ham win and i'm actually going to go 3-1 i think they'll i think they'll comprehensively outplay villa and villa like you said they just don't look like they've been coached they don't look like there's any plan at all. Like, give it to John McGinn, hope for the best. Give it to Ramsey, hope for the best. Give it to Coutinho, hope for the best. And if all else fails, bring on Buendia and hope for the best. There just doesn't seem to be any cohesive plan here. So I'm going to go 3-1 West Ham. Uh, one to watch. Gianluca no, nice. I, I think he'll cause Tyron Mings absolute nightmares. And I think he's the type that Mings will get involved with. Like he will go up and he's a bit like like um, what we're talking about with Mitrovic. He just go up and he'll bump into a striker, a defender, and start to knock him off balance and and do all the opposite things that Yoki uh, Manderson did to Darwin Nunes. And I, I think Mings is the type that just gets involved too easily. So yeah, I'm going to go West Ham three one with him as the one to watch.
0: Yeah, you could play Antonio as well at the same time, just just to be an absolute menace. Um, But we'll move on to the next game, and this one's on telly in the UK as well. These next two are Wolves, Newcastle. Um, Wolves not had the start of the season they'd uh, wanted—a draw and two losses. Um, But do look promising in periods against Spurs. It was just well, Spurs are a good team, and Wolves maybe just like that. Well, the killer instinct. We've been everyone's been banging on since Jimenez's injury. Um, whereas Newcastle were bloody excellent last week. Let's be fair. I know it's Man City. They were, and they were just fantastic. Um, Isaac seemingly been registered in time. I think I've seen the journalist say that. Uh, and you'll go through the injuries, but I think Wilson picked up something, so he might have to start because Chris would not trust yeah. the looks of it.
1: It looks like Wilson's out for a couple of weeks, which is a huge blow. Um, Shelby is out. Dan Byrne has a concussion. So he's a big doubt. Um, Ryan Frazier's a doubt. Jamal Lachelle should be back, but he's not going to start. And Emile Kraft is out. Isaac may have to come in and start straight away, which is asking an awful lot of a fella who's not going to have real chances to train. Um. If I was them, I probably would start Chris Wood. I, uh, you know, just because at least he's been there. Yeah, yeah and that's the thing. Um, and he's, you know, he's the type of striker who just can be a bit of a pain in the arse. You're right about Wolves. The start hasn't been in terms of results what they would have hoped for, but performance wise, I think Bruno Lage will be happy. Other than the Fulham game, because they played really well against Leeds and probably should have gotten at least a point out of it. Ended up losing two one. The Fulham one, yeah, they did look a little bit off. But last week, I thought they looked really good against Spurs. They outplayed Spurs. Um, they won in midweek in the cup, which is confidence boosting for them. And with the word that they're trying to bring in a striker, I think it might give Jimenez a bit of a you know a bit of a kick in the backside to, to up his game a little bit. Same with Wang. Guedes has another week to train, so he's going to look better. I think Neto is. A little bit hit and miss so far this season. He'll catch fire at some point. That midfield is excellent. Matinho, Neves and Nunes. I think it's going to be a big, big problem. I think that midfield is much better set up to cope with Newcastle's pace and power approach because Nunes can match any of them. And Neves is, in my view, every bit as good as Gamerish on the ball. I think Gameris is a little bit more dynamic. Yeah. But Neves can really run a game from midfield. And positionally, he's better than Gimerick. Um So I think this is a really interesting one. With Wolves at home, I'm going to go for a Wolves win. I don't know that Newcastle are going to sustain what we saw last weekend. Because it's one thing getting yourself up at home for the champions. It's another thing going to Molyneux to play a mid-table team. You know, it's a little bit more run of the mill. And Saint Maximum, we know he has one good game, three bad games. He'll have two good games, two bad games, and then he'll just go real quiet for a little while, and he'll have a bunch of average games. If he played like but, last week, he'd be at Real Madrid. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. He would if if he played like he did last week every week, he'd be a Ballon d'Or candidate. Like that's how good he can be. He just doesn't do it regularly enough. We've seen these players. I mean, Will Saha has spent his career at Palace because that's the type of player he's been as well. You know, he can be, he can, Wolf Saha five years ago could look like the best player in the league one week and the worst player in the league the next week. And right now, that is Alan Maximum. He can have games where he looks like football is completely new to him. Uh, where, where he's some sort of flamenco dancer who's just playing football with his mates for fun. Uh, you know, throwing in stepovers and fancy moves that don't do anything. Because sometimes they just don't work. I'm gonna go for the Wolves win. I'll go two one Wolves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of them games that could be anything. Uh one to watch in this one.
1: Matthias Nunes, because
0: yeah. Promised last week.
1: Yeah. And I really do think he is he is something else. And I think
0: We'll call him just what, just, we'll call him just,
1: what if <laughs> Yeah, just for Liverpool fans just for Liverpool fans to constantly get themselves Annoyed, they should watch him and be annoyed not at the owners, but at the manager.
0: We'll have that discussion on AI after in September, I imagine. Um, Right, Uh, moving on to the last game of the weekend, Forest against Spurs. Um, is Forest's only home game the West Ham one so far? I think it is. Uh... Yes. Yeah. So their their best performance was at home. Whereas Spurs just keep churning along, really. they have not... They blew away Southampton, but kind of outplayed by Chelsea, and it was a bit of a slugfest um, uh, in midfield against uh, against Wolves yeah. for the most part. Um, you'd have to make Spurs favourites, but maybe Forrest playing at home um, has that magical atmosphere, but if, if Spurs are the real deal they'll they'll see this game as a, a guaranteed
1: free point surely? Yeah they will they should anyway Like newly promoted teams, Spurs should be beating them and I do expect them to beat them now we look at the injuries and Forrest do have a couple of key ones Nia Cathy, out for a couple of months Omar Richards out for a couple of months Jack Colbeck they're hoping, hoping he'll be back maybe next week but I don't think he's going to play a whole bunch between now and the end of the season because they've just brought in a bunch of players that are a lot better than them uh, Spurs, Romero's out for another week. That's a problem, but they should be okay. And Ollie Skip is also out. This is Antonio Conte versus the Ponty Pride, Antonio Conte and Steve Cooper, who I just think is an excellent manager. I think this guy is destined to play or to, to manage a top club one day. Like when you see what he did with the England underage teams and you saw what he did with Swansea, you could tell this guy had something about him. He's done incredible work since joining Nottingham Forest. And I really do think he's got a lot about him that's quite Conte-esque in terms of every player is used to maximise their strengths but never asked to play above their level of ability. He gets the most out of everybody. He hides the weaknesses of his players really well. The one thing I criticise him for so far is that I'm not sure that he's doing the best job with Joe Worrell, who's struggling a little bit. And I think maybe he should look at playing Worrell in the middle role while Nia Katz is out and playing Biancone on the right. I think Biancone, Worrell and McKenna right now might be the best back three he can play. Because if you play Worrell and Steve Cook, that's no pace. No pace at all. And a big areas for teams to knock the ball into and going up against the young min Son, that's going to be problematic. Um... I also think he, you know, he gets teams into shape really quickly, doesn't need big settling in periods, doesn't need any of that, can turn over a squad really well, which I think is 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 an a, an important talent in itself. Now I'm not saying he'll ever be Antonio Conte, because Conte is one of the four best managers on the planet, but you know, I think there's a lot of similarities there in what Cooper can can achieve with groups of players. Um Forrest lost to Toon, no shame there beat West Ham, big win, and should have beaten Everton, but got caught with a long ball. Spurs, like you said, wiped away Southampton, struggled against Chelsea, but got a good point, and beat a Wolves team that I played them. And I think that in itself is also an important thing for a top four team, or Conte may even look at them as higher than that. Um, so I'm going to go for the Tottenham win but I think it's going to be a really tight game I don't think there will be a whole lot of space in this one I'm looking forward to seeing some of the new Forest faces I'm going to go I'll go 2-1 Tottenham but I think it's going to be a really tight game Uh, One to watch before we go um, Emmanuel Dennis because I'm just curious to see if he starts what kind of trouble he causes that Spurs back line without Romero there? Because they're not as they're not nearly as good without Romero. And um Dennis, as we know, can be a real ha- handful. He might not start. I'd expect he probably comes off the bench, but I think if he comes on, he'll he'll definitely be problematic for Tottenham. And that was the last game. And that's us. That is us for the week, folks. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back on Monday uh, unless Liverpool lose, in which case we might just cancel everything. Not just podcasts, everything. See you then. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.